Welcome back to another thrilling episode of 3 to 1 Radio. I am so excited. We have almost the entire cast here yeah. uh, this this month, which has been, we've been two months, I think, since we've all been together. I think it has been that long. I don't even remember. It's been a whirlwind of the two months. Yeah. It's yeah. good. You look good. Thanks. It's good to see you. Thank you look you. good too, Shiloh. <laughs> Thank good you. Good to see you. Um, our station manager, he looks good too. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> um... I'm so excited. He's the to man see. behind the curtain. Oh, like the Oz? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is good. There it is. <laughs> Unless no you curtain. see Wicked, you then you realize he is a monster. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start today. <laughs> On off. that note. Um, so what have folks been up to? I, I know for myself, uh, I'll do a quick little update. Um, I have had a summer full of love. I've had Mother Tinsley in town. For quite some time, which was wonderful and she's great. She's always in town. I feel like every time we come here, she's in town. Almost. This is your almost. update. She's <laughs> our, our biggest fan. Hopefully, she is listening back in Arizona. Hello, Mother Tinsley. So, at least Love one you. is listening right now. I think Scott might be listening as well. So, okay. we've got two guaranteed for this, this episode. Well, okay. I think I have a, a hot date next Wednesday, and I told him to listen. So, maybe. Oh. Maybe. So, we got three. Possibly. Okay, well. we got we got we got no one for me. Yeah, that's all right. You talk enough; it's fine. So, Lisa, you have been missing in action. I think the last yeah. two shows. What have you been up to? Was I the last one too? My goodness. Um. Well, I just got back from Montreal, and I was there for the INHSU conference, which is a conference about uh, treating folks who use drugs that have hepatitis C, basically. Ooh. Um, yeah. So this is my third year going to this conference and um this year we had a poster so hung that up talked to a lot of cool people um ended up visiting two uh consumption rooms up there so one was cactus which was like in the downtown area and the other one was dopamine which is on the east side um both were really different both were really cool um dopamine has also a drop-in center that's open in the day which is like this giant victorian style house that the government bought for them which is cool like wow. hint hint i wish that would happen yeah <laughs> so the government bought it for them but it's it's theirs like they own it and so they have it's this giant house they have you know like a sort of eating area hangout area they have a yard which is really nice they're doing a garden they have a full kitchen um they have like uh, two places downstairs, one for a doctor, one for a nurse. So anything that people need. Um, they also have washing machines, showers, just basically anything you could want. Um, and they're open in the day. And then they have in the same neighborhood a night drop-in center. So that's open. I think it starts at like 7 when the other one closes. Yeah. And then it closes at 1 a.m. Wow. So they, they have services basically all day and well into the night, which is, and that's, it's not just specific to them. Like every consumption room had other sites. So they had like a health site, they had like a drop-in center. Um, Yeah. So it was just a lot of jealousy happening, of course. And (laughs) yeah, but it was amazing. Everyone who worked there was amazing. Um, Sort of following along that line of, of a drug user health center. Yeah. Where everything, one-stop shopping is right there. Yeah. But it was just, massively expanded on so and it wasn't just 
you know, like everything was within a couple block radius of each other, right? So you would just go, you know, to the consumption room, and then when you were done there, you could go, you know, over to the health place and, like, see what's going on. You could go over to the drop-in center and relax. Um, but also in the consumption room, I mean, it was very small in both accounts, and you would just go in, do your thing. And it's, I think it's interesting. I think if people really are curious about consumption rooms, it's important to... I think go visit one and probably not insight because I don't think that's a good representation of what is happening currently in that realm. I mean, I don't know if anyone disagrees with me, but I think insight is like always used as it's like sort of large bloated medical, <laughs> you know, consumption room and really Thank what's you for going, the visual. <laughs> well, you know, and really what's going on, um, you know, from what I've seen in other provinces up there is, is just as much more community space, smaller, it's more comfortable. Um, but they were saying they see three to 400 people a day, and that's normal. And I was, like, blown away by that number. That, is, that seems like a um, really big number. Yeah, and so, you know, they don't, they haven't had any deaths there. Um, you know, they have an oxygen machine, so generally they don't even have to go to Narcan if somebody's overdosing. Do they have that there on hand as well, though? Yes. In case? Yes. So they will monitor your oxygen supply, the little finger thing, mm -hmm. and then they have an oxygen tank there that can just breathe for you. Um, so they can use that. And they were basically like, the only time we really have to use Narcan is in the park across the street where we can't take the, you know, the tanks with us or whatever. So I think uh, the approach is changing, but it's been highly effective. So they've expanded on that, that sort of approach instead of this highly medicalized, highly sterilized. Um, and it's more comfortable for people. The place is more like a community drop-in center. You know, they had like couches and like, they had a chalkboard uh, paint everywhere so people could write messages on stuff and really great literature. And I don't know, it, it was just a nice, comfortable space. I felt really, really comfortable hanging out there. So I think, you know, if people are curious, I would, I would definitely look up one of those spaces. I also Looks think like you want to say something. no. I was just I was, I was also thinking because I, I was talking to a uh, journalist um, who happened to be in North Carolina with me because uh, I'd been visiting lots of different programs as well, mm -hmm. um, and they were saying he was from Vancouver and he was saying you know we weren't they're not building another inside they no. have no plans to build another inside they find it a very expensive medicalized system and they did you know a tent system yeah. uh, in other areas yeah. and now they're kind of indoors in a hallway. You know, it's they like, have like different pop-ups. Yeah, yeah, they ideas. have pop-ups. Um, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's you know they're building much more of you know things that Seattle has talked about like already in existing uh, nonprofits or public health facilities putting kind of stands where you could do a couple kind of safe um, safe injection areas and they have their own they have their smokers uh, harm reduction smokers. Um, area now to in vancouver yeah i think they were also talking about that with the smoking up there they're they they're not yet at that place but they have the like duct system and everything ready because i think they all think they're going to be there within this year um to, to incorporate smoking and also i found really interesting they're also incorporating drinking as well into that oh really yeah because you know they Other were like in a bar no, I mean, just like, you know, for, for folks who are like, obviously, like using multiple things, like, and yeah. they're in there, 
Because the whole outlook is you can't be like, okay, you can only inject drugs here. Okay, now you can inject drugs and smoke drugs, but you can't drink. That's also a drug. You know what I mean? So I think the idea was this is, you know, when you're in here, it's a safe place. Trying to do a catch-all to to make sure that nobody's left out. Because harm reduction, you know, spans all of those things. So, yeah. It's interesting. when, um, When Scott and I, hi, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Berlin last year. We visited mm-hmm. um, a consumption facility, um, and it was, uh, as you kind of said, with the, the place in Montreal, like it was a sort of an all-encompassing um, drop-in center where they yeah. had like they had a computer station where you could do computer stuff. They had a kitchen where staff made food but then mm-hmm. served food. Right. Um, they had laundry services, shower services. They had an exam room for medical stuff. And they also had a dentist that came in like two or three days a week dentist. Um, to do <laughs> dental care. Like, wow. So awesome. Yeah. Um, and then their injection room was separate from their smoking room. Um, oh, interesting. But with the window mm-hmm. uh, within both. So the person that was sort of monitoring the injection space could also look and see like within the smoking room. The thing that I was amazed by was that it was in this neighborhood um, in this building that was so just uh, not a thing, right? Yeah, it, it, it was it blended not, in so well. Literally not an issue in yeah. any, like the one downtown was definitely like down a side street, but the one on the east side was in a neighborhood. It's just a house. Yeah. But there was not, there was no problem. It was fine. You know what I mean? So I think this, I mean, the, the, I think the thing is, is like, you know, obviously people are scared of it. But it's because they don't know about it. They don't understand it, right? So I think just looking at all the all the different ones around the world, because there are a lot of them, um, you know, I think if people really are curious, you know, uh, it's not just one model. It's not this thing that everybody's always saying. It's, oh, it's a shooting gallery. It's, it's like, it's basically just a drop-in center where you can be safe. Like, that's all it is. And it's not specifically about this one thing either. It's about many things, you know. It's about, yeah, all-encompassing, you know. Wraparound. Yeah. yeah the thing that, that really uh, stood out to me, um, you know, sort of like working in downtown Seattle, living up on Capitol Hill, um, I don't think a day goes by where I don't see, um, you know, some discarded something, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's related oh, to Oh, yeah, that was also use. not a thing. It, it, I just want to point that out. so amazing. <laughs> I didn't see one no Anything. orange caps, no, no, nothing. no plungers, not no, nope, not even, no baggies. Like nothing. it was just, a, it was a non-existent issue. No, nope. um, which I think you know, if if uh, places in the the United States are actually serious about this um, and concerned about um, mm-hmm. you know litter and whatnot, like this is something that could totally solve that issue. Yeah, I mean, if that's your main issue, if that's what you care about over people's health and happiness, sure. That could take care of it. <laughs> but, you know, I just, yeah. it. But it is, a, you know, I definitely didn't see anything. And, um, you know, knowing me, I certainly ventured into the more, uh, quote, unquote, rough parts of town because, you know, I wanted to go see some punk rock shows. <laughs> and that's where that happens. So, you know, um, yeah, I didn't see anything. And also didn't see anybody's suffering on the street. I mean, definitely there was like people experiencing homelessness for sure, but like there wasn't, it wasn't, there was a safe place for people to be and go. And also I think 
coupled with that, there there's, you know, socialized medicine. I mean, that it's a big thing. So everyone has access to healthcare. Everyone has access to medicine, you know, if they need it. So, I mean, that that was also huge and really correlated with what they were doing. Um, you know, the consumption rooms. So. Did you get a sense from um, folks that were just sort of maybe in the area that you were bumping into or neighbors um, that like, oh, this came to the neighborhood and it was so scary no. and, and there was fire and brimstone <laughs> no. and the world almost ended? No, literally no one cared. <laughs> and I have to say, like, my, my ex lives in Montreal and I haven't seen him for probably, I don't know, around seven years or something like that. Um, and I hung out with him and he has, like, no idea about any of this um you know and i asked him about what he thought about it and he was like oh i think it's great like whatever it's nothing it doesn't matter i mean he was like it doesn't affect me it's fine nothing has changed like actually everything's better and so that's kind of the that's what i got from people like it's it's like opening another surface you know it's not it hasn't affected anything um but people were definitely like yeah it's better that they have somewhere to go that's good you know so i i didn't get a lot of i didn't get anybody mad about it or saying terrible things so, yeah. well i think it's like a lot about syringe exchange like i talk to a lot of people who like are about to open a syringe exchange and they're so panicked and they're so right, stressed and they're right. so this and when they open it like, so scary yeah and then yeah. like literally like you know a month later they're like whatever they have 10 packs in their bags and cookers in their <laughs> sleeves and they're like yeah they're like whatever yeah this is the thing it's the fear of what could happen and then yeah. when you actually do it it's not it's not scary. It's yeah. not, you know. It's not the end of the world. It's not, you know. And so, Shyla, you have just been traveling. Where have you been? What, what have you been doing? So I visited most of the needle exchanges in Northern California, and I visited a program in Greensboro, North Carolina. Shout uh, out. Um, and <laughs> I did some work in Greensboro with the National Urban Survivors Union. Um and it was, you know, it's like seeing two different coasts programs um, was very cool. I mean, both of them were very incredibly loving and supporting to their community. Um, you know, for example, like Sacramento, you the moment you kind of walk in Sacramento area needle exchange, um, you the moment you walk in, you get offered water. You're asked to like, you know, take a seat, relax. You know, they get cold water in your hands. They ask you, you know, then they kind of ask you if there's any paraphernalia stuff you need or if you're just here to sit and, you know, for a little while. And is it also sort of like a drop-in center? It's, a, it's, it's just weird. So it's a drop-in center, but it's not like a heavy traffic drop-in center, mm. right? So. It's like a place that where there's a lot of consistency, you know, about every, let's say, five to ten minutes, there's someone kind of walking in. And, you know, every 15 minutes, there's kind of someone walking out. So, you know, there's always a handful of people there. There's a, you know, suite of folks who work there who, like, really deeply care about people. Um, and, you know, they, they have a suboxone clinic, kind of similar style to us, low barrier. Very uh, nice. Um, and they, you know, they also give out, you know, hand, like, wipes. And they, and they give out, um, you know, protein shakes. You know, and they serve a lot of uh, homeless folks, you know, who don't have access to, you know, clean water, you know. And so, like, they do a lot of that kind of extra above, above and beyond kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, it's 
it's an interesting take, you know, it's also more like it's, you know, it gets a hundred degrees in the summer. So like yeah. any place that doesn't give water in that sense is kind of a, you know, you know, there's Meaning. potential for dehydration, you know, and, you know, sitting in your, if you're in a car, it, you know, it could be like 110 degrees in the car. Right. And so, you know, coming into an air conditioning room and getting that kind of service from people, I think is a, a big deal. I mean, it's one of those places to ask you know, more questions than historically or get asked in the Northwest. But we, we had kind of that policy of like no questions asked policy. Mm-hmm. So I was curious about that. Yeah. So do they have, um, are they, or the places that you went, you don't have to shout out like specific ones, but uh, is it more um, just kind of come in, do your thing? Or is it like, oh, we need to like register you, collect a bunch of data? Like what? What? What so kind of barriers? Was, so there was a place I, uh, I went to that had cards, right? And you had a number, and you put your, you know, you gave them your number, and then you got uh, supplies. And there's uh, another place I went to that asked you like five or six questions, and then, but anyone kind of kind of refused any of those questions. Um, and there are places that I went to that like, you know, you know, you just ask for a ten pack, you get a ten pack. You ask for a hundred, you get a hundred, right? You know, like. That's not, it, there wasn't that factor. And I think one of the things I was talking to, like, um, Rachel Anderson, which is the director of SANE, who, you know, is really, to be perfectly honest, is like one of my big mentors and big heroes in the movement. And she's an epidemiologist who really fought and cared uh, for folks and really, you know, has, it's kind of like, you know, for me, one of the old guard now, like, you know, um, She's not a spring chicken anymore. Um, oh, hopefully she's not listening to this. Oh my God. Remember, we've got three listeners. We're safe. Um, but, you know, she, I mean, we had a long conversation, and I think it's a philosophy conversation, which I think I was privileged to have a lot of these philosophy harm reduction talks. And, you know, she brought up a really good point when we talk about, you know, drug user run services, you know? And she was telling me, like, yes. We all, I think that should be a standard. They also feel like programs should look and feel like the local communities come from. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. she said having people come sit down in an air conditioning room in the summer might be unrealistic for a Northwest facility that even has air conditioning might just be like, who's got air conditioning? We don't even need, why why do we need that? But you see what I'm saying? Like, so her clientele coming in, our participants coming in and sitting down and, you know, having that air conditioning, that air conditioning alone and being able to come and sit down in a cool environment yeah. is vital where sure. it might be less vital in the Northwest, but maybe our system is coming into a dry location. Yeah, dry. Right. <laughs> We're coming under yeah. that season right now. You know, it's socks are becoming a commodity on the streets. Like, <laughs> I think they're what's the what's the current worth of socks? on the street yeah. at this, at this <laughs> on this day like, like yeah. it changes <laughs> um i did see a guy with a trench coat outside that yeah. had opened it up and there was a bunch of socks that's what i'm saying socks it's yeah so if you have socks everyone <laughs> no yes really I, <laughs> you socks, know super important in the winter <laughs> and you know i do feel like you know having that local feel to mm-hmm. every program right some it just makes sense to be in a pop-up tent right and some, it might not necessarily, I think the environment is really important and how culturally you interact with fo- folks is really important. You know, when I was in Greensboro, seeing people 
And essentially, there were people walking in with just their underwear and shorts, right? You know, um, there was, you know, people who, not a lot of clothes, bare feet on the hot pavement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you saw this real poverty, you know, and a place that you, you see that sometimes in Seattle. Oh, yeah. but, but you don't, you know, it, it's more of a like, they have no shoes, right? Yeah. Where, like, you know, I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I probably saw 25% of the people have no shoes who came into the program in the South, right? And they literally just had no shoes, and they. But they, a lot of times they had places to live because rent was so cheap, or they lived with relatives. Mm. Um, and they, but they just, you know. But everything else was, you know, food, and you know, having having readily available food, having places to kind of hang out, mm -hmm. having air conditioning again, like you know, in a hot environment, right? Um, and having that local feel, right? And having that that southern. You know, like, you know, you got a lot more hospitality, you know, those those pleases and thank yous came out more in the South than they, let's say, came out in Sacramento because, you know, Sacramento didn't have that genteel kind of service, right? I mean, also you had social service like, you know, we're going to have a little calling out of the Methodists a little. Um, oh, I don't. So this we're in we're in a Methodist we're church, in a Methodist right? church but like, Do we need shelter? From so, the, so for for example, like you know, bolt. the program in Greensboro was across the street from Methodist Church, right? And they did a feeding program, and you know, a church, this church right here mm -hmm. that we're in, does a feeding program, right? Yeah. And and so when people came in, they couldn't leave. Um, they could eat, but they couldn't leave with food until the sermon was over, oh. right in the south. And it was sure. very much a, a proselytizing kind of uh, event, right? Where the Methodist Church in the Northwest is like, you need food, we give you food. You yeah. want to go to church? Sure, we we can tell you where where the door entrance is on Sunday. Go if you want. Go yeah. if you want. But like mm -hmm. your service and our, well, you getting food and you're going to the church are two separate deals. Well, that's regional too. I mean, that's, yeah, that's all, all. I mean, absolutely, what you're saying is regional. Like you know, you. Yeah. I mean, I I remember talking to. Somebody who was doing, uh, somebody actually who used to be with Iggy Hub, shout out, um, and was doing service in Chicago and talking about having to, like one of the regular things would be like having to cut people out of their cocoons, as they called them, you know, because in the winter it gets so cold and snowy there, people will like have layers and layers of clothes on and they'll have multiple sleeping bags and blankets wrapped around them and they're not going to get out of there to like pee or whatever. So they end up like, you know, doing whatever because you know they're on the streets and it's freezing and then they get frozen in their like all of their layers which i was thought was really sad you know like and and they have to like sit there and very carefully first warm them up and then like cut them out of these cocoons and he was telling and it was just something that never just like like i knew about it but it didn't you know it was, didn't really occur to me you know because it's not I mean, we've got the, the we've got stuff up here where it's like the way people's feet get ulcers and stuff because of the wetness all the time and the rain mm -hmm. and the in the, you know, in the winter and like other places are are going to be like, what are you talking about? You know, so I think, yeah, it is really regional. And that's why, you know, having this sort of blanket again, sort of reaction to whatever doesn't work because it doesn't work the same everywhere. It's really different everywhere you go. But it's yeah. interesting, right? I mean, we talk about the difference between different regions or different programs within the same region. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a common thread, right? Sure, of, of 
of caring for the community, which I, I, to bring it back to what we talk about a lot on this show, right? And if community and fostering community um, and loving your neighbor and, and, and the folks that you are surrounded by. So these programs all are different to some degree, but mm -hmm. also very similar sure. in that they care for their folks. They want to keep people safe and alive and healthy um, and provide the services that are, are, are needed within that region. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think like, you know, the difference, like I've noticed, like, so in the West, let's be perfectly transparent. There's been a long history of harm reduction and needle exchange and needle distribution programs. Right. Mm -hmm. So talking to Sacramento folks about uh, not putting the plunger in the back of your ear for lubrication was something we talked to people in the 90s around, right? Yeah. Right. And and that's something that was very clearly being talked about in the South, right? And and there was this real sense of lack. There was a lack of people coming in with less and less education. And, mm -hmm. you know, the people going, working at those places were giving, uh, you know, these uh, whole tutorials. And they have things like they have Saturday and Wednesday, or sorry, Sunday and Wednesday groups. And it's specifically around educating people on a particular thing, right? And they'll have food and they'll have people from the whole community come in. And they'll have people who aren't, uh, who aren't participants of programs coming in to learning about things like Narcan, things around like Hep C, uh, things like, like, you know, is your cooker clean, you know, or dirt, you know, like, you know, having all these conversations. Um, because, you know, New Exchange has only been legal for a couple of years. It was underground for a long time in delivery service, and now they have a, a place where they can organize mm -hmm. and a place where they can they have offices, and it's they have neighborhood folks who are you know who aren't necessarily participants of the program, but are getting information to give to participants, right? Um, and I do think you know having that um, one thing. The other thing I noticed is. Almost all the sites I went to, the, the kind of the bigger and the better funded ones, always had a delivery service and a brick and mortar site. And I realized that like brick and mortar sites. Best practice. Yeah, best practice. <laughs> brick and mortar sites uh, bring community. Absolutely. It brings a lot of um, homeless communities. You know, it's a place where you can count on it being open. Uh, but if you have a phone number and you're in a more rural area, like having those delivery services are really important. Right. And it was funny talking to a lot of these programs, they say, yeah, delivery services are important, but they communities that have physical. if you don't have a physical site, it, they felt it was almost be, more important to build a physical site. Oh, yeah. And then do a delivery to ex extension. Now, you know, obviously that's not going to work in every community no. or um, work for every participant. Yeah. And like there's you know, there's different things that like uh, people would give out. I noticed in different in different packs. Um, and you know, it, it was, it, you know, Sacramento, you know, was really great. Just about sharing information. The things like I, every time I go there, I learn something from Rachel. I learn something from Franz who works there and I come back and it's like, it, it takes mm -hmm. me some of this whole philosophy things. Cause you know, she's one of the old guards who really helped build harm reduction. Right. And then there are places that, and I feel like I learned so much and I go there to be a sponge. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are places like in Greensboro where you don't necessarily think you go there to be a, a sponge. But you do. Because, yes. yeah, because they're, they're, they're a newer program, but they're doing things that I'm like, why haven't we done this for 30 years? Right. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's because we, the, again, like what you were saying is that we have had syringe exchange on the West Coast and specifically in Washington State for so long that like, you know, we forget, we forget these little things. 
You know, like I like, you know, a good example is like, you know, when you open the box of condoms and there's how to use a condom, there's like a million of them because there's like one for every condom. And you're like, why do I need all these? That's but then you're like, <laughs> you know, because you're like, everybody knows how you do it. But do they? You know what I mean? It's true. And, and, and do th they? That's a really great point because like I was talking to them uh, in the South and they were there was a university that remained nameless. But literally had a. Uh, but it's in the south. It's in the south. And where were you again? It has where a did very you visit again? Talented basketball team. Oh my gosh! Uh, from oh, North you Carolina. Lost you lost me. Uh, um, from North Carolina. So yeah. we're not naming names, but we're naming names. Yes. Okay. Who like had a trifold flyer on how to put on a condom and how to give oral sex with a condom? Oh, because we forget <clears throat> that there are a lot of places that still have abstinence-based <laughs> education. Yeah. Uh, the high school I went to was abstinence based. Like that's we didn't learn anything. Was yeah. Like, no sex ed? No. It was abstinence based. Like I went to high school in Idaho. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So luckily I was a curious girl. <laughs> <laughs> um and I and I volunteered with Planned Parenthood when I was, you know, a teenager, um, over a town over the in Boise, the bigger town. But so I I knew, but I remember carrying condoms with me to give to my friends in high school. So apparently I've been doing this for a while, like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, really, I mean, it, it's like, I always try to remember that, like, you know, I, just because I'm doing this every day and I see a lot of the same people doesn't mean that everybody knows, you know, yeah, I think there how becomes, to use a condom. There becomes an <laughs> assumption, I think, in older programs that like you people know stuff but you know it's like you know again mm -hmm. with that greensboro program yeah. and like again like uh louise vincent and don jackson they're running just an amazing facility in and and really building bridges in a really great in greensboro north carolina that's because they're amazing and they're doing i mean they're really doing some really groundbreaking work mm -hmm. and they've both been in the field for a long time but because of uh Legality, they're both kind of like it's been legal only for a handful of sure. years. So they've been able to build so much in a short amount of time. And, you know, but like but like getting a university to pay for a, you know, it's like they showed this to me and it was like it was really cute because it was like they said, you know, it was one of the participants like this is the most radical stuff I've ever seen. And I and I smiled and I said that this is really cool. This is really uh, great. We have amphetazine in my town. But, they, but you, just, you did just say it was quote unquote. Cute. So yes, yeah. caught that. Yeah. But no, I think it, it, it's. I mean, you know, I uh, I'm on the board of the Idaho Harm Reduction Project, and and same thing. Actually, they just got their federal 501c3 like last week. Hey, can we get a good round of applause? Yeah. Go Boise, go I Idaho. Know. Super excited. So, um, so Northwest but, Pride there. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is being part of that board and and like being at their meetings. You know, I sometimes forget how I don't want to say it's not easy, but we do have privilege up here for sure within our program. Like I forget. I mean, they were like freaking out because they got a grant in Boise to get 250 Narcan, Narcan kits. And they were like freaking. And I mean, it was amazing. I was super stoked, but it's just it, it puts things into perspective, you right. know, like when you start to take things for granted and then you. You know, and I'm and I haven't been doing this as long as probably either of you, but um, you know, I think that probably it's like you forget sometimes the struggles, the early on struggles that happen. 
And it's been interesting for me being able to sit through the like first syringe exchange program in Idaho and like watch it form and like get a get a real idea of how I mean it's not the same but just like those those early days and this and the struggle and like the big sort of wins which is 250 kits of narcan you know what I mean like so, it's big yeah, it's, it's that's it huge is in big. some communities it is big because it's like they didn't have anything before well, but, I, I well I'm, I'm just to sort of tack on to that I'm curious Shiloh in your travels um other programs uh, was narcan readily available yeah, maybe not I'm just curious. on site but also to give every out to, to um every program I went to had narcan available Really, because um, I know of one program in Washington State that doesn't carry Narcan. No, but I'm just saying in my tra- in my no shade, no shade. And in, in, in my things, I think um, you know what what I took from it, and you know, I I want to be clear, I, we're not egotistical about this. I took from it is the Bob Quins, the Dave Purchase, the Pawnees, the Montes, who almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Stood up and said, "We're you know we we're gonna uh, we want a better life for folks, right?" Mm-hmm. I, I personally am a direct descendant of that better life. You know, I did not go through the struggle. I did not go through the discrimination, the shame, the brutality that those early founders went through. And you know, sometimes and you know they, um, you know, and the trauma that they had to go through. I I am that next generation, and you know I know Joe, you're part of that that generation too. Of I guess I'm the generation after. Is that <laughs> <laughs> the next generation? Yeah, um, you're our future. Oh my god, <laughs> um, we're in good hands. Yeah, we're in good hands. Um, I don't know, but you know I think <laughs> I think philosophy. You can, you can talk about like the health prevention of the city, right? And you know the idea that. We'll talk about the U district. Bob Quinn handed out clean syringes, right? We talked in his first real month, he handed out, I think it was 800 syringes, right? Um, I have to look back. You're talking about programs that are now starting and doing 100,000 in their first month. Right. 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 Like, I mean, tw- 30 years from now, they're going to be just multi billion, you know, syringe program, right? Ooh, I don't want to have to enter that. Then. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we forget that, like, one, how lucky we were, but also, like, how it really was a slow burn mm-hmm. in, in Washington. Um, and that, you know, some of these programs are just skyrocketing from day one. And, you know, they have, I think they have the advantage of learning from us, but they also have the advantage of not listening to us all the way, right? The advantage of saying, like, you know, you know, you know, one of the participants uh, told me this best in Greensboro. Southern solutions for Southern problems. They're like, we want to know everything you've done in the North and West. We want to see what you uh, mistakes were. But we also need to keep and make it clear that we're going to have a down-home solution. <laughs> and we're going to treat people with a love and respect how we see love and respect. Sure, regional. Again, and, keep it, yeah, yeah, keeping it regional. Keeping yeah, it and, close to home. And I just, I, like, for me, like, that is, like, it has to be. It really does have to be community-led efforts. And I think the more that do it, the more that, you know, um, and the more different ways you can do it um, and you can interface in different ways. And 
I think are always going to be uh, better. You know, I think the thing that I love about the city is we're having more and more programs to do it. So if you don't like a particular policy or you don't like the particular feel or you don't even like the paint that's at the different, particular exchange, there's plenty of programs to go to and engage. Well, options. I mean, options are always important. Well, yeah. and I, I think just to, to liken it to, to listeners that, that aren't in the business or, or in the struggle, sure. right? Like we all have options within our lives, right? Yeah. Like I ahead. don't want to go to Macy's, so I'm going to go to Nordstrom's or I'm just going to sit on my couch and go to Amazon. But having yep. those options of like what feels good for me, what mm-hmm. is the right fit for me, right. what is going to get me the needs that I, I, I need met, mm-hmm. but what's also going to expose me to something that maybe I didn't know I needed or, or some true education and accurate information on how to keep myself safer doing something, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. So I mean, I, I think it's it, it does go that it's like if I'm like, oh, I need this thing. I know what I want and I know what I need. I can order it offline. But if I'm like. I'm a little confused about this. I think I know what I need. I have questions. I, I have multiple questions. I have, you know, yeah. So you're like, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to, you know, actually ask all these questions and hopefully get some answers. And you generally will get more than you went there to get, you know. Right. So well, same with like going to a program. You're going to come in. You're going to be like, oh, I'm here for clean syringes or I'm here for Narcan. I've had people just be like, oh, I'm just here for Narcan because like, you know, my brother or my sister or whatever. And then they're like, oh, I didn't realize that you had this and this and this and this. And then they come out with all these things that they didn't know they needed. And then all these things that they're like, oh, I'm going to tell this person about because I didn't know you did this. You right. Know? And then they, they can educate others and right. others. And then and that's how that works. You know, it's a beautiful. thing. Well, and, and just a little example. Uh, I was there during Greensboro's uh, Gay Pride. Oh, because they're not having Greensboro that. has a gay pride. Yeah, I mean, and, I'm stoked to hear about it. Just and, like, and, it's, and it's not. <laughs> I, I was shocked. shocked as well. <laughs> it's not in Ju- and it's not in July because that would melt. People yeah, would it's die. Hot. Yeah, yeah. and so like, be a lot. You don't of, want like, someone to die. Like, it was 90 degrees outside <laughs> in Greensboro, um, and muggy and hot. You know, and it got to be. Uh, it was like 90 degrees of dry heat in Sacramento. And, you know, I figure, I think it was like 89 in some parts of Northern California. It was 72 in Montreal. Nice and balmy. <laughs> so, um, no, I, snowing I, yet? I, literally, I was I, here in Seattle. I literally, wah, wah. so I put on long johns today because it had dropped 30 <laughs> degrees. You're for one me. of those people. Well, but I'm just like, it dropped 30 degrees for me. So it was like, it's 68. I don't know. Like, you know, it's literally dropped 30 what degrees. What is my body doing? <laughs> yeah. uh. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we've learned. I love visiting other programs, oh and gosh, I learn so a lot. Um, I also, for folks who didn't know, all the needle exchanges in the state um, got to go to a meeting. Oh um, yeah, I missed that. Um, How was that? It was a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool new programs coming out in Eastern Washington. There are. I I went last year, but I know there's even more now. Yeah, yeah there's there's some cool folks. There's some really cool. Um, public health. Uh, I there was a couple of really wonderful public health nurses who were like, I've done been doing public health for forty years, and I'm you know so proud to be doing the needle change for the first time, you know. And so there was there was definitely a lot of like pride about that, um, talking about you know unique uh, solutions and talking about you know complications with things like the fentanyl tests don't really they carfentanil and fentanyl get picked up the same way. 
in these fentanyl tests? Is there we need to? Is there a test we can do? I believe to, Canada has this machine. The Canadian government has purchased for a lot of their programs. I mean, I feel like there's a solution. Yeah, I, I think there's <laughs> a solution. There. I think, you know, maybe we should be a, do a pitch for King County Public Health since they seem to be unlimited around money and services. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> um, so yeah, no. But it, those of you who don't know, yeah, there's a machine where you can you can test substances, and it tells you, like, if you have fentanyl one of the things but whatever else is in your drug as well and the percentage of what's in your drug of those different drugs so i think it's just it would be it would be amazing to have it especially when we have like a rash of overdoses or something like that or maybe a rash of just i know there was like something going around i guess it was about a month ago where people were getting weird skin rash and like you know so those sorts of things and i and i think you know you're not going to hear about that in the news and stuff but it's like stuff you see when you're out doing service and you're like i wonder what was in that you know and you don't know and there so there is a way to test what's in it how much of that is in it and and it's actually it's it's a very pricey machine but really when we're talking about <laughs> but i mean when we're talking about like people's lives we're talking about people dying we're talking about i that mean canada's saving from yeah, infection yeah canada's really like people are overdosing they're dying like let's get these machines in the places they need to be so we can see what's actually going on. Uh, and again, this is what you have when you don't have a safe drug supply. You have all kinds of things within substances and you, you just don't know. Uh, you know, so it could really be anything. There might not even be any of the substance you thought you were purchasing in that substance, including cocaine, which I know is a pretty popular drug for like college kids and party people. So I just want to point out, you know, Welcome it's not, back to school. Yeah, it's real though. Like, it's not just like, Oh, this drug and the bad people. You know, this is something that affects literally everybody. Well, and and if I remember correctly, there were these overdoses in Fremont, was it, um, where they did test the syringe and they did say that there was carfentanil. They don't know if the overdoses in that spot were all. I am not convinced about the carfentanil thing. Um, but they, they they did. They, well, I'm just saying they they did test a syringe that was positive for carfentanil. So that's not saying the carfentanil was everywhere, and we need to have this, you know, sewer. But I think. That it is something that can be purchased in the dark web and mm -hmm. something that can enter our drug supply and has entered our drug supply in places like Vancouver and in some of the East Coast places. And I think has been spotty at best mm. in Washington. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, we have a tar like substance and other places that have powder. Um, sure, but I mean. We have more of a fentanyl presence now than we did last year and the year before and the year before that. We didn't even have a fentanyl presence really a few years ago. Yeah, and it's definitely on the rise, but I, I feel sure. like I feel like we've dodged some of the bullets. We have definitely well, dodged I think, the big one on I, that. I, yeah. So I would, far. I, think, I need to be clear. I don't Knock think we've dodged it. Wood. I think we've yeah. we it is coming. Yeah, it is. I mean, and we're on a different drug supply train. Yeah, it's I not, think it's absolutely coming because you know like right now in greensboro well it's moving slowly yeah, yeah. Yes. like in greensboro everything tested positive for fentanyl like they don't even a lot of times they don't give out the tests so much anymore because everything is fentanyl everything. and are you yeah. saying everything that is um like the heroin that is the yeah. methamphetamine that is the cocaine all the opiate based services is testing positive for carfentanil and and fentanyl they don't know which because of the test right and with that, um, you know, where if we did, if we tested, 
every single, let's say, needle that went into our bin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which would be a huge undertaking. But like, I'm doing we, the data on that one. Yeah, but uh, you know, I don't not think safe. there would not be. Safe. It would not be in every. It would be. It probably be there, and it'd probably be in a low so, percentage. But you know, I think it's it's potentially. It's coming and it's on the rise, um, and it is I, on the rise. Like, you know, the reason I specifically just sort of know about this is because I'm the nerd who does all the stats, and we collect, we give out fentanyl test strips. Hashtag love nerds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so we give out fentanyl test strips, and we collect data on that. So we, you know, we ask people like, did you get a test strip before? And if you did, would you test? And like, was it positive? Was it negative? So, so I we keep those stats. Um, and from what I've seen, it's not a giant spike or anything. But in the last two years, it's a slow rise. Like, there's I'd say half of the tests that we hand out at People's Harm Reduction Alliance, and this includes all of our sites, are positive. Okay, half. And I would say probably. 20% of those are methamphetamines or cocaine. And so the other is opioids. So it might be helpful, I think, for some of our listeners if we back up just a little bit. And when we're talking Urch. about... Uh, <laughs> thank you, sound effects. You're welcome. Um, when we're talking about test strips, um, like what what does that mean? What does that look like? So it's just a... Like so a pregnancy <laughs> test for your so dog? It's, it's like a did pregnancy you pre- test. Did you, did you say pregnancy test for your dog? Drugs. Oh, dog, you, you, like, cats, the dogs. They, um, like, no, it's it's so it's a strip, and actually, what it is is it's a urine test. Um, it's fairly cheap. Uh, it's just a small, little, thin strip. It's actually opposite from a pregnancy test, so um, it's the opposite like results. Um, so uh, so minus two, is a no. It's two lines and one line. So the okay. OG pregnancy test, right? Okay. Okay. Like the old ones. I haven't uh, taken one for a while. So. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so you want two lines with a fentanyl test. That means you're negative. Okay. You get one line, you're positive, right? So you're looking for two lines. So basically, the first line is like detects, you know, and then if it's like first line, if you see that first line and a second line doesn't appear, you immediately know, okay, there's fentanyl. And if you get that second line... Then you're like, okay, we're good to go, right? And so, is the idea of passing them out um, so that people know what what they're using, and then can make some sort of informed decision about how then they use? Yes, that is the only that is the only actual thing we're trying to do is get people the information they need to make more informed decisions about their health, because it's not about forcing this, forcing that, because people are going to do what they do, right? But when you have information, you're going to make a different decision usually. Um, so we have the test, um, and then we put a little, like, cooker so it's, like, a clean place to put um, your substance in. And then we have a little sterile water that comes with it, right? And it comes in a bag, and that has two sets of instructions. And then now we're putting in another uh, little set of instructions. So basically what you do is you can take a, like, swab of a you know, Q-tip, you can take like a salt grain size of whatever you're using. You can use a dirty cotton. Um, there's a lot of different things. You don't need that much. So you're going to put that in the cooker. You're going to put the water that's in the sterile water, which isn't that much. And that's really all you need. And then you're going to kind of mix that around. You're going to dip the test strip in it. I just set it up on top. And now the instructions say to wait five minutes. 
Sometimes it takes a bit longer. I've had it take 20 minutes before. Um, so it could be between 5 and 20 minutes, really. Um, but you're going to want to wait. And you're going to see pretty immediately if you're going to have a negative or a positive. Um, so now a lot of people have argued that this test is not perfect, which, you know, is true on some levels because it is a urine test. Um, but it's what And you're have, not testing urine. No, you're testing, but you're testing the straight substance. So it's actually stronger. It hasn't yep. been through your system yet. Um, you know, so yeah, it's not perfect, but should we stop doing it? No, because it's better than nothing and it's what we have. And it's been really helpful for a lot of folks. In fact, people really depend on it, um, you know, to, to, to make decisions. Um, if somebody, and generally people will still do the substance, but what they'll do is they'll do a test shot. They'll do a smaller amount. They'll test it out. So your risk for overdose has already gone down, you know? And then if you have Narcan in conjunction with that, um, you know, you're in a place where you've taken two different actions to prevent uh, yourself from having an overdose. So people who are like, oh, people don't care. Like to me, I'm like, that's a person who cares about their health and their future and they have hope and they want you know, they might be doing these things and there's a million different reasons they could be doing these things. And but the point is, is they have this inf information and they're making these decisions that are based on wanting to continue life and having hope and these things. So to me right there, that's already like access a point that I think people are really always drumming about, you know, um, and I, I think you know. that that totally circles back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of safe places for people um, yes. who are using substances to use substance, right? Where it's like, it, it's all this sort of line of harm reduction and right. reducing the amount of harm that the activity that somebody's engaging in is causing not only themselves, but also their community and the people that they're with and the people that they love. Um, seems like a no-brainer yet there is some resistance from um others it's because and, and i think another really important point is not all drug use is like this i'm on the street like writhing around you know and i i well actually more like i'd say 70 percent of drug use is happens in people's homes so you don't even see it you don't know about it so it's not problematic to you if you're like whatever people are using drugs in their homes People are always shocked when I'm like, oh, yeah, I do delivery. And they're like, what's that like? I'm like, it's like being a UPS person. Like, it's not, there's like nothing. They're like, what's the worst thing that's ever happened? I'm like, nothing. Like, yeah, somebody nothing doesn't bad. answer the door when I ring yeah, the doorbell. Somebody wasn't there and I had to leave their bag for them. Like, you know, it's, so I think it's like, you see, you know, people who are experiencing homelessness, people who are in distress, people who have, you know, mental illness, like these things. And, you're like, and people are always like, well, it's it's not a homelessness problem. It's not it's a drug problem. It's like you see these things, you correlate them with people using drugs. But really, 70% of the people using drugs you don't see, and they're going to work, and it's not problematic, or even more than 70%, I'd say. You know, so it's, I think it, it goes into this whole, this narrative of, like, people, they, they just think that the extreme is the only way that things are happening. Like, yeah, you can be like, oh, it's problematic that you're doing that and you're using drugs and you're destroying your life and you're destroying your family's life. It's like, well, this is what you see on TV. 
this is what you see. But I was just going to say, right, like, I think media it's not plays realistic. a huge role in that. It's not really what's going on. <laughs> right. We, we had a, a documentary, a, a local documentary, uh, what, a couple of months ago called um, Seattle is Flourishing. What was is that what it was called? Every time somebody says the title of that docu, I don't even. I'm not going to call it a documentary. The title of that opinion piece. It was. It was very. It was very sensational. Not um, a documentary. Somebody not, that has nothing. lived here in the in the area and and worked with various populations. Um, I, I thought it was quite offensive. It, it was. Um, it's really on a variety of different levels because and giving those people a voice is even more offensive. It didn't really. Yeah, I mean, it didn't show sort of the true no. the true picture of um, what issues are facing our city. Sure, it was sensationalized. It, it really was. And the music was terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, and there you was like, can't expect people who think like that to have good taste. Like, let come on. <laughs> I I come on. It's a good call. It's a good call. It's real, Take my though. Pollyanna. Uh, attitude just, out of here. Just get it. Just throw it out the window. But yeah, I think I think as, to your point, I think that there there's a lot um, uh, of issues around stigma and and fear right. that that drive people's opinions around what other people are doing um, that really just sort of skew the facts. Yeah, and, and make it so that there's there's this well, it's me versus them, or they're bad, I'm good, I only. You know, drink three bottles of tequila a night, but, yeah, but, but that, they do the cocaine. Right. But that stigma can push somebody who's not problematic and isn't chaotic and is doing fine into that world because they will get so much inner, like, hate on themselves and fear about, am I slipping into, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it becomes that too. And then you, and then it just, you know, so I really think that's, I mean, that's the larger conversation, you know, that it's, there is such a thing as, like, non-problematic drug use in fact it's the majority of people using drugs so well i mean if we're if we're talking about non-problematic drug use are we talking about and coffee? i don't even want to and i don't even like non-problematic drug whatever are, are drug we, use wait, are we talking caffeine chaotic drug use are we or, talking uh, cigarettes drug use are we talking vapes are we talking i mean we're talking methamphetamine I mean, i'm talking all of it <laughs> right i'm talking all of it because like it's all drugs but it's that <laughs> idea that i think a lot of people have of like well my drug is better than your drug. Right. Or my well, drug is yeah. socially acceptable because. I'm sorry. What what do we call this show though? Dr- drug. Stigma. Drug bigotry. I oh, believe big, is yeah. the oh, bug, is the oh, term. I like, yeah, drug yeah. bigotry. That drug um, bigotry is a hard one to say three times term. fast. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember like when we first handed out crack pipes. Right. There was a um, there uh, that there was a you know there was a lot of like you know those people comments mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And now you Gee, think, what did you mean by that? Crack pipes, those people? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think right. that now, you know, as we've per- added more and more services, I haven't actually heard that in a long time. And I haven't even heard this concept of us and them. Or even like historically, there was a stimulant versus opiate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things. I mean, I, I mean. You've been at the program too. Like I don't really hear any it's, of that stigma. It's more at, people are using everything. I feel like more. Yeah, but I think they've always been doing that. They have been, but I don't think. I think it's well. I think the realization also that hey, we're all in this together. When you all come to the same place, we all come to the same place. Yeah. Again, that idea of community. Yeah, sure. and so yeah, I, I feel like that. Like those conversations around, especially around the fact that we do a lot of smoking services mm-hmm. too. So there's not, there's been that like. 
injection v smoker like that that's not really divided yeah i don't see that ever you know and i, I mean I, it's like maybe once somebody has said something and i'll be like hey we don't you know we don't do that here but like, I, I again you know. i think that also t ties into sort of like the media and mainstream idea like i feel like in the the 80s early 90s mid 90s like smoking drugs was so bad yeah maybe that the seattle is dying documentary is just something that came through the wormhole from the 80s <laughs> i think maybe that's what happened there were some Sorry hairstyles in there you. that were pretty bad but like but, but I, I i think that that there's been a sort of a paradigm shift and maybe maybe it's a, that's a regional local thing where like everybody smokes pot here and so like smoking a substance isn't as bad as it used to be yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. I mean, it's like, I definitely think that that, I mean, I think there's a duality there because it's like, it's been helpful, but also then there's been the whole like, well, now we have our drugs legal. So like, it's, you know, like, we don't want to be with you guys anymore. We don't want to, uh, we don't <laughs> want to mess with it. You know what I mean? So I think there's that too. But, you know, I, I it's, again, same with weed, like, People doing it in them, their houses. I mean, do you remember all of the crazy films about smoking weed and how they're like, oh, you'll go insane. Reefer madness. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and it's like, like, whatever, nothing happened. Everything's fine. Look at that. <laughs> well, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, so the day legalization happened, I thought this was really important. I saw a, a, a homeless youth smoking a joint at the uh, bus stop. And, he's, and he looked at me and he's like, it's legal now. And I said, I know. And I, I just realized, like, that moment of, like, he would be behind a dumpster, terrified for his own safety. And he right? might be getting arrested. Yeah, and now he's like, eh, It's cool. It's cool. And it's like, and I remember a lot of times now people, like, you'll you'll be, you know, walking down the street, and they're like, they'll just be like, it's weed, it's okay. Yeah. Right? You know, and you're, and I feel like. I like, the, I like that world. I'm good with that. Yeah. Let's and, continue to expand that. Yeah. It's good to a point. <laughs> when you're on your way to a meeting and somebody blows a big puff of no, the weedy good, smoke, and you're like, like yeah, oh let's go to this meeting. Now I have It'll to go present about something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I stink of the weed. I mean, just don't, like, blow smoke in people's faces. I mean, I smoke because I'm terrible, but I don't blow smoke <laughs> in people's faces. Like, see, there's that inner stigma coming out right there. Um, <laughs> we'll have another episode on smoking. That'll be a fun one. I'll have a lot to say. I think it would be also interesting to have um, a, a follow-up conversation about fentanyl in the, the region. Yeah. And if, if folks are interested in that, we can certainly try to make that happen. Everybody's interested. Yeah, so if anyone topic. has also, like, any of our, like, the millions who listen um, would like Mother to Tinsley, email um, and uh, me or Arlisa, and that's S-H-I-L-O at People's Harm Reduction Alliance. Dot O-R-G. Um, they they about conversations that they think we should be yeah. having on this uh show i think that or, would be great we also have a facebook page yeah i was gonna say we have uh, other social media outlets uh, facebook and instagram, um, the instagram. Yeah. we have a twitter but we have been on it so don't go there we'll, we'll update that soon oh, we do have a twitter yeah we have it okay um but yeah it's it's just three to one radio um on facebook um and same on instagram so um and then obviously we are on kodx 96.9 um, so yeah, we're, we're probably going to have to go because it is seven o'clock. So we're going to sign off here. Um, so yeah, uh, again, um, you can go to our, and you can go to people's harm reduction as well. If you want to make a donation. Yeah, do that. 
That's a good idea. Okay, love you guys. Station Happy managers. spring. Look at or me fall. Now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>